I I don't know what she's doing, but he goes up to something. You should have heard me yell at Ruby a minute ago. Uh, I was obviously off air, but I was like oh, off air on the radio mm-hmm. tonight at six. Um, but I was, I was, we were not recording and I was yelling at Ruby, my puppy. And she was like running up and down the hall and there was silence. And I was like, Ruby, are you trouble? <laughs> and she came in and she's like, me? <laughs> I would never. Except you would, is the thing, is okay. you would. Now, really? Okay, so <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. I'm Ding. struggling with technology. <laughs> so I got I got a new iPhone, right? And now I'm in like the middle of like, I fi- my phone number finally activates on the new iPhone, but I'm already almost done erasing all of my settings because I was starting over and it's just, it's super duper. I love it. and It's um, all fine. <laughs> I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to just get it together. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of like phone numbers in now, but it's still not like backing up old stuff. And my mom had to go all the way to Verizon to get her taken care of. And I'm like, I really don't want to have to like speak to people. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. So right now I'm just waiting for the old iPhone to do pointless updates that I can try to transfer from iCloud and just start over. And if that doesn't work, I'll just kill myself. I'll just leave the country and get a new phone. Oh, wait, that would solve so many problems. So anyway, (laughs) anywho, anything that you need to talk about, because if there's anything that is true in life, it's that Emma has included notes on our podcast note and I have not. <laughs> that is that is the rhythm of our lives. <laughs> well, here's the thingling. Um, I obviously, I scroll through like TikTok a bunch and things like that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take this in two directions. The first is that there is an account that does... It's called the girls' room. It's like it, it's his that personal girls' room. Exactly. So it's like <laughs> he's got his known account where he does like funny things. He's like your roommate comes home, but it's reality TV, and he does like the the noise, like the noise, you know, and like all of that stuff. He's really funny. Um, so he and his friend, though, or maybe it's his cousin, I don't know, but they do like a fake every white girl's podcast sort of thing and so what they do is they I they love have, that so I think it's an actual like they release the actual podcast episodes but it's them basically pretending to be like every basic white girl podcast and what they do is they have like actual mics but they're not like in front of them what they do is they put up bananas in front of them like on a stand so it's like a microphone and they talk about the most like just inane things and the stereotypes are always just so true because it'll be things like I'll post one I'm sure I can find like a thousand it'll be things like honestly she has like this is a really big thing and she's like i've decided to to age recently (laughs) (laughs) and i'll be like honestly this is so brave of you (laughs) and it'll be like that and so that's funny because it's very tongue-in-cheek it's facetious like they're making fun of us it's relatable because you can see an influencer podcast doing that and you're like yeah but on the uh, flip side, there are people who come out with podcasts. One, a lot of times it's men, and we've discussed that. And two, a lot of times it's just like, if it's girls, they're just talking about like the most inane things. Now, maybe people aren't interested in the things that we talk about, but I personally would much rather listen to someone talk about an actual like subject versus like, I, I can't even describe to you. It'll be like, Honestly, like the restaurant on such and such street, 
like their tea is always lukewarm. Like I can't stand that. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's the, that's the content. And so I, it just drives me absolutely crazy. And I feel like it's like a lot of the same topics talked about over and over. So like, let's say a girl goes onto a guy's podcast in this, in this world, they'll, the only thing you talk about is like sex from most people's perspective. Right. Which we've, which we've talked about. And I'm not saying it's invaluable, but it's like, no one ever says anything new, you know? Yeah. It's, there's no revelation or epiphanies happening there. So I'm, maybe we are two basic white girls with podcasts and we've decided to age and that's like a big deal for us. But I just like, every time I scroll by, I wrote like, I think I was where I was like, why are we so much better than everybody? (laughs) But imagine though, like, so there's, there's two things I want to say to this one Imagine we're listening and like for a minute you forget that it's a spoof and you're like, oh my God, same. Uh, <laughs> and then you're like, wait, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this. I don't relate. This is not relatable to me. Um, but the second thing I was thinking, which maybe we'll do this at some point, but there are two influencers who I follow. Well, let me rephrase. I used to follow both of them. I now follow one of them because their content is identical. Their hair color is different, but they are the same exact person. Okay. Um, and, you know. Okay. You know, we, we shop at Urban Outfitters. We can't get enough of, you know, random fig leaf number four that we're keeping alive in the corner of our house now. Anything. But they have a podcast. And in my mind, I'm like, would it be interesting to react to their, their podcast? Because, mm-hmm. so this is the thing. Like, there's a lot of podcasts, I think, out there that do the concept that we're doing, which is we're actual friends. Okay. You know, we are friends and in some scenarios, they're actual friends in some scenarios, they're fake friends that have been brought together by their production company or whatever. But the like friends talking back and forth about the issues that face them is pretty, is pretty common. It's Mm -hmm. pretty common idea. Mm -hmm. That being said for influencers and for like reality TV people or for like celebrities, they don't have jobs. You know, like they have jobs, like the air quote jobs, but they don't have like a workplace. So I'm always like, what, what issues are you running across? Like, well, I woke up and my skin was clear again. <laughs> so oh, <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like, I just, I know that everybody has problems and I know that no matter what people are dealing with difficulties, but in my head, I'm like, so you guys are influencers and you started a podcast to talk about the issues that are facing you in life what are those like right what are right. you dealing with like <laughs> i mean so a lot of times you see people who like become influencers and they get like jobs quote unquote based off of that and a lot of it's like i'm a content creator blah 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 yeah or i'm yeah, like yeah, a yeah. marketing director etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm like okay so basically you understood the algorithm of this is what people like to see and this is what gets the most content or engagement rather as far as content goes. And now I tell other people that they should post that. And therefore I'm a marketing manager and it's like, okay, that's great. But like, how often do you face like, it's hard because I don't want to negate anyone's struggles, you know, like we don't know. And again, like everybody has stuff, you know what I mean? It's just from the outside looking in, obviously, you know, no stones being thrown at glass houses here, Mm -hmm. but, or vice versa, no stones. We have glass houses. We get it. The point is, (laughs) here's the point. I'm just, 
like the concept is weird to me because it's almost like inception. Like at some point you're creating so much content that the content itself is the content. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like I just, I'm like, what are, what do you even talk about? <laughs> like, um, but counterpoint, I think, I think because we are podcast creators, mm -hmm. we are really critical of lifestyle podcasts in the same way that I think other lifestyle podcasts are. Whereas I think if you're just a listener and you don't create podcasts, you're not judging it that harshly. You just more ju more so judge it like, am I entertained or not entertained? Not like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, the structure of that episode was so weird. Like nobody does that, you know what I mean? So it is, I think there's also a third dimension to it where we are lo-fi podcasters. Like we do not have a company that sponsors this. As you know, we are constantly hired fired, rehired. And <laughs> so, but what I mean is there's, I think there is a level of we can judge because we have absolutely nowhere to go but up. Um, so, so I think there's a space of like, we can be like, oh my gosh, did you see that content? Ew. Like, and, and it's not pretentious because we mm. are a, what do they call them? Like, uh, garage bands, garage bands, get what bands that play in like, in I say garage now because okay. I'm an immigrant. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so I had to like think of how I would say. I it. just call it like a rec room band or something. Yeah, know? but you know what I'm talking about, like the the Princess Diaries, like Michael playing a keyboard with M and M's yeah. on it in a garage <laughs> and and like they, they don't have a record deal there's no hope for them they're not playing a gig they're just there like that is our podcast <laughs> so <laughs> judging actual podcasts i think is is just a hobby well you know i i <laughs> we we're a grassroots organization we love saying grassroots movement it makes it sound so we, much less we, like low budge <laughs> Hey, I just like, we, we have, we use MacBooks in everything. So we might not be in a studio, but it's not like we're recording on our phones here. Anyway, I obviously we're biased towards our own podcast. And, you know, <laughs> we obviously a we're deluded <laughs> enough to think that everything we do is perfect. But so. <laughs> I will say like, and this is my, I take issue with major podcasts like Joe Rogan for this reason and um, anything with like, <laughs> The, like I've never heard a single episode of a Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, I also judge harshly like the uh, Vanderbilt Rules people. Vanderpump Rules? Vanderpump. Yeah, that one. Anyway, uh, here, here, let me get through this because Hannah, like, I don't care about reality. I've never watched the show. I don't care about it. I don't. Okay. Um, but they start podcasts with notoriety already. They already have yeah. a fan yeah. base. So it's not hard for those podcasts to pick up. My issue is that like, they're just you're listening because of who they are probably not because of what they're talking about like, yeah it's like base entertainment you know like no one is saying you have to listen to podcasts that are like very deep issues and things like that like listen to what you like but if that person wasn't who they were would you still be listening to that podcast probably not no no like the reality tv show podcast that i always talk about i listen because they're on a reality tv show that i like right so like it's like it, it's I, I totally understand like the small business movement in this kind of way because it's like it, it's it's hard when you're on the inside and you're really trying to like 
you work really hard to make something of something and you're constantly like overshadowed by like basically crap product just because it's got a name yeah. tied to it, you know? So yeah. um, I'm only a little bitter, you know, Hannah and I didn't start this because we were like, let's get famous and be famous podcasters. Like that'd be great. Hannah did. But Hannah didn't. Hey, <laughs> I, that's, that's not true. That's not true. I, I mean, I will say that like, I always hope that we can do something with it, but yeah. it's not like, like we don't record episodes thinking like, this is going to be the one. Like I would be just as happy in 10 years if we have marginally a few extra followers, but we have ourselves enjoyed the time that we've spent. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's just the way you're wired. Like you want it to, you want it to evolve and grow. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that one of us should, because again, like we were talking about this earlier, like we don't have a budget. Okay. <laughs> like the budget is the limit does not exist because it's not there. There is no money allocated from no resources set aside from no investors. So like we don't have that much time for social media right now. Yeah. We have absolutely no time to post on our Instagram. I know Emma tweets sometimes, but like, we don't like normally people have a person to run that. Like one of the podcasts that I listen to has like a random Gen Z person who they bring on like every fifth episode to ask about words like chuggy, chuggy. Hmm. I don't, I don't even know. But anyway, like she runs their social media. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we physically don't have the time and it seems stupid. But this is how I get where influencers are like, oh, I'm so busy. Because if you have a full-time job, posting on social media with any sort of regularity and like creating engaging content is difficult. Mm -hmm. If you're just posting your own personal stuff, it's really not difficult because if you don't post it, nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just like, I, I see podcasts start from ground up where they had like nothing and then they, it just ha- you just happen again at the right time, you know, and it's, it really does seem like it's about timing, but I'm just saying that like some of the stuff that I hear, I'm scrolling socials for these podcasts. I'm like, who cares? Who cares? You know, but like maybe people think about us who can say so. Probably I not. Mean, <laughs> probably not because we are amazing podcast hosts who inspire our <laughs> listeners. But I mean, who are we? Who among us would judge, you know? Who are we? Me. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway. That makes sense. <laughs> Here we are. Hello, uh, everybody. Hello and welcome. Um, this Hi. is this is what we like to call the transcontinental tea. Yeah, we're hoping yes. to make it singularly continental, but, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers. But, <laughs> Still... Um, still hanging on but unfortunately the name has to stay because it's 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 too it's too late so yeah we have tons of merch that we haven't bought or produced yet but has already been traded we have ideas (laughs) so intellectual property okay so anyway (laughs) intellectual property it's different for everyone (laughs) if you're if you're brand new this is the voice of emma and sometimes it sounds like this and sometimes it sounds like this this is the voice of Hannah, and it pretty much always sounds like this, except for one. That's the only one that goes like. Oh, really I went talking like metal. From oh my god! <laughs> so um, we have like a young adults ministry at church, uh-huh. and part of that ministry is like every Wednesday night we have like a short preach, and then we go into like small groups and we talk and we mm-hmm. talk about our lives and we talk about issues, blah blah blah. So I preached at my YA um 
Wednesday night and I kept giving examples of like different people and I don't know why, but like three different <laughs> times I was like, oh, maybe you just feel like this. <laughs> I just went into oh, this like, like this. old I mean, man New York accent and I was like, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm sorry, but it's who I am as a person. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, yeah. this is Hannah. That is Emma, as yeah. was said. And this is the transcontinental tea. And today we have quite a we have quite a docket, as right. the Supreme Court would say. You know, uh, we, we have a lot. We have a lot of eggs all frying in different pans, and we're gonna try to to cook them good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you're me, you only like them scrambled or fried hard. So, um... how does one fry an egg hard? Do you so mean it's like just, there's I no mean, liquid yolk? Right. Yeah. That's what okay. I mean. <laughs> You no, fry like egg real hard. <laughs> you got a pretty mouth, boy. Like what? <laughs> what? So anyway, anywho, so yeah, oh, yeah. uh, before we get into it, if you have any interest at all in what we just said about podcasts, because we spent a good amount of time talking about it, please feel free to give us feedback. I know we always joke that we're not open to feedback, but we are uh, between the hours of one and two a.m. on Tuesdays. Right. So <laughs> thank you so much. But honestly, we we hopefully make your week a little bit better and we would love to give you the content that you're wanting so feel Mm -hmm. free to send us feedback Mm -hmm. with that being said i would say do you have any more chats Mm -hmm. that you need to chit before we to week everything's been chitted that's that's great (laughs) thanks 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 cool 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 cool. super neat super neat so anyway i guess that leads us into our to the week Toted, if, if you're an acronymer. Hail the wake. And um, really exciting. Let's, let's, I guess, just dive into that. T. I actually came up with the T of the week this week, which is novel. I know. I really had to think. So my T of the week. Okay. Here it is. Okay. I am, as Emma knows, because she's flying transcontinentally <laughs> uh, <laughs> to attend it. We are doing a wedding reception this year. So last year we got married. It was very small, very intimate, which I loved, but it was because of COVID guidelines. Um, so it wasn't just like, had... it was like legit, but I wasn't there. So it really wasn't legit. Yeah. Your, so. your marriage doesn't count. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, so we did a very small intimate wedding. So it was like 15 people, very small church ceremony, and then a very like lovely, but small dinner Mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. So this year we're doing a wedding reception. And to be honest, I would have like, I was saying this the other day, even if COVID hadn't been a thing, if I had known about this option, I think I would have planned it this way because we both, my husband and I both get what we want in this case, which is I'm a very sentimental, emotional person. So I really crave like small, intimate, uh, intentional, meaningful gatherings. So like for me, it was very important to have a very small wedding mm-hmm. in some capacity because it's important to me that only people who are important to me are there. Like, I, I'm not really a, like, oh, I have a 1,000 friends, and then I have 2,000, like, partial friends, so we'll all be standing there, like, walking on the aisle together. We'll do, like, a pose picture and one of those TikTok dances. It'll be great. It's not me. So. There are no flower the, men at Hannah's wedding. <laughs> it's 
stay tuned. No, there aren't. <laughs> but but anyway, but the point being, I I'm not I'm much more about substance than width or like a volume of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas my husband is super, super extroverted, which is hilarious because he's a really quiet person. But he's super, super extroverted. So he would invite like everyone he's ever met if he could. And so in this way, we're kind of getting the best of both worlds. So mm-hmm. we had the intimate wedding, which made me happy. And now we're having the really fun party, which is making him happy. And also me, because mm-hmm. there's no pressure. Like I don't have to get married on that day and then also be like, hey, hi, hey, hi. to Hello. 900 people that I haven't mm-hmm. met before. Mm-hmm. So my tea of the week is this. Yeah, I'm here. We're preparing for it. We're buying alcohol for it. You know, Love. we're we're crossing our eyes, dotting our T's. We're doing all the things. So (laughs) it's a few weeks away now. And I have kind of an existential crisis that every woman faces, which is what am I wearing? Mm. Because normal people would be like, I'm going to wear my wedding dress again because I only got to wear it for one day. And I really want to like make it special. And for me, I'm like, I love my wedding dress. Love her. Loved it. Beautiful time. Chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. But it's not a dress that I I could do activities in. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's structured. There was boning. There's there's a whole thing to get in and out of it. And I just don't see myself like having a meal and dancing in a massive dress. Like I I don't. And for some of you that's sacrilege for me, it's just how I feel. So I've been going through the arduous process of trying to find a reception dress, which is unbelievably difficult. You'd swear that nobody had ever changed for their wedding reception in their lives, except, Mm -hmm. oh wait, people do it all the time. But anyway, so I have that and I'm still not 100% set on what I'm wearing. I'm still trying to figure it out anyway. But the other half of it is people keep asking me about it. And there's two problems I have with this. One, most people don't really care. They just want to know how it affects them. So most of the questions aren't like, oh my gosh, are you so excited? Like, this is so nice to be able to celebrate with all of your friends and family. Like, that's lovely. Usually it's like, so what? what's the vibe? Are you are you wearing your wedding dress as like a formal thing? And I'm like, just ask me what you want to ask me. What should I wear? Just ask me the question that you're actually asking. Mm-hmm. Don't do the faux mm-hmm. chit chat thing with me where you're like, oh my gosh, how's your day going? Because you want me to ask you about something specific. Just answer, ask the question and I can answer it directly. But also, I think people are really expecting like a reenactment. I feel like mm. I'm in season seven of Gilmore Girls where they're like, sure. yeah, I know Rory graduated, but we weren't there. So you're going to do it again. And I'm like, we've been married. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, It happened. mm -hmm. We streamed it on YouTube. It was a moment in time and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Go back and watch it. If you want to relive it still there. Okay. But at no point am I getting married again to the same person 11 months later. A little weird. I'm going to say a little weird. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. our one marriage has stuck. We're good. We don't, we don't feel the need to renew our vows at 11 months, you know, (laughs) we're hanging in there. It's fine. So I'm like, we're not going to do a reenactment. We don't have a photographer coming. This is a party to celebrate. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to enjoy themselves. I want to enjoy myself. But what I'm not trying to do is do a reenactment, renew my vows and like have some sort of massive formal ceremony. Like I want to wear a reception dress that I will be comfortable in. I want to look great. Like I want to look formal and nice. You know, I'm not going to wear like sweat a sweatsuit, but I, I want to be comfortable and I want to enjoy myself. I don't want to be like 
walking around the 50 circular tables and going, hey guys, how are you? How's your food? Are you loving your chicken? Great. Oh my gosh. How are you enjoying the wedding? Yeah, it was beautiful. I thought so too. Like, it's just not, it's not who I am. It's not who Luke is. Like, we want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We want it to be family style. We want it to be a celebration, but we want it to be a low stress, high fun party. Mm-hmm. Not like, let's do these 55 formal ceremonies and recut a cake because you know, 45 people didn't watch the YouTube. No, no. So anyway, it's going to be really exciting. I just, I feel like I am not a natural host. So I feel a lot of pressure anyway to make it like perfect, perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. And then when people are like, oh my gosh, are you like wearing your wedding dress? Are you doing a reenactment? Are you like, I just, I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not like my mother-in-law. I love her. I love her with my whole heart. She was like, so if you're not going to wear your wedding dress, people might want to see it. Should we like get a mannequin and put it on there? And I'm like, <laughs> it's a little lady die. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if I'm, I'm worthy of a museum exhibit at this stage, you know, <laughs> like maybe we'll just do a picture and, and that'll, and that'll be good. She's like, oh yeah, we can get <laughs> pictures. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, I thought it'd be I would so... do the mannequin if it were me. <laughs> yeah, but you would do like a Vogue collection where there was like a raised platform and this was like what you wore the day before. This was what you wore to the wedding. This was what you wore on your honeymoon. And you have like <laughs> a ton of glitter all around it. <laughs> We've been new, but so um, good. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. Hannah and I are doing a little vacay beforehand and destination um, we do know but we're not telling you <laughs> um but we are going to do a podcast from that city whilst we're there crazy which is v exciting and yeah i mean maybe we'll do it in a cafe like who could stop oh, us the cafe you? owners like what are you gonna um, do <laughs> because <laughs> what are you gonna do? please don't <laughs> please don't we actually don't speak your language so <laughs> Can't understand you. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, um, I love that stuff. It's so great. So anyway, latte. they're like, I'm gonna call the police. I love that stuff. It's so great. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we're looking forward to it though. I'm looking forward to it a lot. And yeah, that was my that was my tea. Hmm. Well, let's just get mine out of the way because it sucks and I just, we need to talk about it and I never want to talk about it again after I've talked about it. So I never want to talk about it again. (laughs) Oh, is this the thing that happened on the train? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is horrible. So I'm (laughs) I'm like giving away the whole thing. I'm like, this is terrible. terrible ending. (laughs) Um, It sucked a lot, but but I am alive and generally unharmed and that's really what matters. So I'm I'm out at a work event Friday night and my coworkers and I, we decide like, Oh, you know, like we're already down on the Upper West side. Like let's just hang out in Chelsea for a bit. So we go to like, we bar hop around Chelsea for a a little while. And I had gone to happy hour before this and I hadn't eaten a lot. So I was already pretty like, and they made me take a shot of tequila. And so after that I was just done. And um, I wasn't blackout or anything. Like I remember the night, but this is definitely like, I was not, you weren't at your, you weren't at your best. No. Yeah. Um, and this may preface, preface this by saying there's no like blaming here. I don't blame myself at all for this. So like, I appreciate people saying like, don't blame yourself. I don't, um, I, I can say that like maybe yeah. my reaction would have been different in a different scenario, but who can say? So, um, so it's probably about like, I don't even know what time it is. One 30 in the morning, maybe. And like my friends, like they want to wait outside this bar that has like this huge line. I'm looking around and I'm like, why am I here? Like, I, don't I could care. be at home. 
Yeah. I, and I turn around, and I'm like, why are we here? I have wine at home. And this girl was like, yeah, I have wine at home too. And I was like, right, why are we standing in line at a bar where like some night, I don't know what this is. I don't care who's in there. Like, ooh, like look at all, all these like baddies going in. I'm like, they all look the same to me. And also I'm not gay. So like, I don't care what the women look like inside. Like, I just don't. I have to tell you, it rates low on my list. Like, <laughs> like and I like, don't and, care. and I mean, like, and like my friends, like, and it's like, it's like, uh, maybe it's just because I'm I'm older or like because some of these guys are my age. I just can't bring myself to care about waiting outside of like quote unquote high profile nightclubs. Like I just don't yeah. care. I don't care. You know, like I, I if you had asked me at like 26, like if that had mattered to me, like it would have been a much different answer. Like even just a few years ago, I was very much into like the high profile C and B scene thing. And now I'm just yeah. like, I just want to go somewhere where I can enjoy it you know, I don't want to go in I'm standing around. First of all, I'm in like a tank top jeans and tennis shoes, you know, like I dressed for the work event, not for fancy schmancy nightclub, whatever, you know? So, um, it, it was, it was whatever it eventually I was just like, this is dumb. Like I'm going to go home, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I went home and my friends were like, Hey, like let us know you go home. I'm not very far, you know? Um, I was maybe 15, 20 minutes from my destination. So I, no, I got on the train. I'm on the train. First set of rides goes fine. It's like a few stops. I get off and I transfer and it's crowded. It's like, you would think COVID's not a thing kind of crowded. Like we're all in masks, but like I am pressed against the train door. I cannot move. Like there's too many people. And I'm, like I said, I wasn't sober. So I feel like someone touching me but at first I just think like oh it's because we're all just so nearby and it's like you're so close this crowding right sure so that was my first instinct and so I I shifted and it just keeps happening and it's almost kind of like it's happening but it's not getting to my brain until like five seconds after so it's like sensation sensation then I'm like huh well that's kind of weird because that's my crotch you know like that's like literally someone trying to dig between my legs and then I'm like okay. So I, I shift again and it just keeps like happening. Someone's like attempting to touch me over and over and over again. And, um, it's my thighs, it's my butt. It's, it's literally my vagina. It's, it's all over the jeans, but you know, I still feel it. And finally I look to my immediate left and I see this older guy, just old fat dude. And I see, I look down and I see his hand and I'm just like, my I mean like you think you know how you're going to react in these scenarios and maybe sober Emma would have like made a scene maybe she would have grabbed his hand and been like don't touch me you know like I'm a pretty aggressive individual but when you're in it and especially when you're intoxicated you have no idea how you're going to react you know and so my instinct was like I have to go and so I smacked his hand and we were at my stop already so I got off and I like called my mom and I was like I was just like groped on the train. You know, I get threats all the time. I've had men like touch my waist. I've had my ass smacked before, whatever. I've never had someone literally dig between my legs on the train before. And so I felt just, I felt so disgusting. Like it was like, I physically felt like I had just creepy, crawly, dirt, nastiness on me, you know, because I was like, I've actually just been like violated. Like I've, I've never actually been, yeah that's disgusting this kind of violated before you know like I've been like like I said I get rape threats all the time you know like nothing's ever happened I carry my mace I carry a pocket knife and I have my dogs most of the time so nothing's ever happened to me um not to say that it can't you know but 
in the scenario, I was like quite vulnerable and it was just, it was awful. and It was horrible. And I took a shower as soon as I got home and I had a few guy friends who wanted to hang out this weekend. And I was like, honestly, like, I just, I feel disgusting. I feel icky. I don't want to be around men right now. So yeah. I've just been like at home by myself and I'm just like, I still have like the heebie-jeebies over it. So, um, all that to say, if you're a guy and you listen to this and you know, a woman, you know, someone who's been violated. Are you okay? Like, I know that everybody's asking you this, but like genuinely, are you okay? I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it, I don't think too hard about it because it happened and you know, like I'm never going to see that guy again. And thank God it wasn't worse, you know, but yeah. I think you just, you kind of come away. Like, I think that it's impossible not to be like a little changed by that, you know? So hundred percent. I was just thinking of like, I think you already know this story. You do already know the story, but, um, so I've talked about, I've been through sexual assault before, but mm-hmm. beforehand, I also talked about, I've been roofied yep. and there was like a blackout moment. And then there would be like flashes of images and flashes of what was going on. Mm-hmm. But essentially someone had to tell me what happened. But basically I got roofied and I was with people from work, like similar situation. Um, but th- these were, you know, military people. So like sketchy is not mm-hmm. even a term that would lightly cover it. Mm-hmm. But these guys that I worked with right before I left Texas, I got roofied and apparently I was like, obviously not in a capacity to have any sort of choice or have any sort of input on what was going on. I, I don't remember anything about like, me speaking so I have no idea if I said anything but all I remember is like I was basically passed like a cigarette like all these random guys Mm -hmm. that I worked with like made out with me and again thank god this girl like took it upon herself to get me home and like take me to a safe space so that nothing worse could have happened but there are still times where I'll like randomly think about it because I was talking to one of my closest friends the other day and she said something so good and it was Trauma doesn't have to have capital T trauma to change you or affect Mm -hmm. you. Like it doesn't have to get to the point where you were sexually violated for it to change the way that you feel and interact with men or to change the way that you feel on the day to day. Like it doesn't have to get to a certain level or threshold before it affects you and before that's valid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just was thinking that the whole time you were talking because that's so true. Like I still think about that. And that's not the worst thing that's happened to me, but it comes to me more often and in like, the heebie-jeebie sense, like, I am more affected by that day-to-day, I would say, than by my actual sexual sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, don't, I know that you don't blame yourself, but don't feel badly that you're feeling affected by this. Don't feel like it's small to be affected mm-hmm. by, because it's not. It's an unfortunate club that I think most of us are a part of now, whether or not you, like, have come to recognize it, you know, because I think a lot of people, everyone's always like, well, why didn't you report such and such? And it's because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't raped, but you know, when someone touches you against your will in any kind of way, you know, it's like the first instinct is to justify it in some kind of way, you know, like not in a, not, it's not always like, oh, I brought it on myself, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's just like, well, maybe I'm just playing it up in my head, you know, like maybe it wasn't that big of a deal, this, this, and that. And a lot of that is like, we're conditioned to, you know, um, undermine the actions of men basically not undermine um you know what i'm trying to say basically yeah to to 
negate to them downplay and, yeah. the things that they've done that have affected us and to take up less space yeah is basically so. the the theme mm-hmm. and so like i'm just saying if you are a guy you know a woman like chances are you know someone who's been like touched inappropriately definitely catcalled like that's a given but like violated Can I in some say way something that's a hot take if you're a guy or a girl you know a guy who has done this absolutely you do Mm-hmm. And it will be shocking to men because every man is like, oh, my friends would never do that. I know my friends, they're great guys. Trust me, at least one of them has been verbally or sexually abusive to a spouse, girlfriend, or just a random person. Mm-hmm. At least one of your guy friends, if not more, has inappropriately touched a woman, like 100%. And if it's not a woman, it's a man. Like they have inappropriately touched someone without their consent. Guarantee. You know, it drives me crazy. It not drives me crazy in the sense of like, I'm angry at people who do this, but the overwhelming reaction when I tell people about this is that, um, the, you, you should figure out what you can do to prevent it next time, you know, not in like a, maybe it's not how I'm dressed. It's not how I'm acting. It's nothing like that. It's just like, maybe like, do you carry mace? Do you know how to do such and such? And it's not that I disagree with knowing how to do those things, you know? Um, it's just that, unless you're actively being (laughs) assaulted, you know, like, I think it's easy to say things like that. And it's easy to be like, you know, take measures to protect yourself. And for me, it's like, I wish that we could just turn the dialogue around and make it, how do we stop men from feeling justified in doing things to women that we didn't ask? Genuinely, it's like asking a homeowner Hey, I know that this arsonist just burned down your house, but you could have gotten flame retarded curtains. Listen, you could have had extra insurance for fire damage that consumed your entire house. Why didn't you think about that? Mm -hmm. Like that is not the conversation. That doesn't matter. It's ineffective. It does not make a dang bit of difference. The thing that matters is the assault, the arson. You're assaulting a house, right? So arson is clear. It's easy for people because there's no emotional context. There's no, you know, diagram of, oh, the person shouldn't have been doing this, but they should have been doing that, but they were okay doing that. Like arson, burning down a house, it's easy. So if you need to think about it that way, every single time you want to talk about what the person could have done, talk about the homeowners who had their house burned down by an arsonist. You know, and I think, I, I don't know that when it's people I care about, they're coming from a place of like, I just want you to be safe. And because we can all agree that men aren't going to be the ones to take up the mantle of change, then it's not a bad idea in general. And I, I, I'm speaking objectively. It's not a bad idea to know how to protect yourself. It's no. just that, you know, I'm, I mean, like I'm, I'm physically strong. I, you know, like I'm a very loud individual and you know, I, I carry things, you know, I have my keys to my knuckles. I have, but these are not f- like fail safe ways of staying, you know, unassaulted. So, yeah. you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not appreciate the comments and I know that they care. And it's not because they think that like I did something wrong. It's, it's just that I, I mean, until we change the conversation and we, you know, I mean, I feel pretty helpless in general, I think just in like, how do we stop this? Like, how do you, how do you stop a man from just deciding like, oh, I want to rape you. So I'm going to, you know, I'm like, and now it's, now it's my responsibility. No. Yeah. So. 100%. 
So in general, I'm still going to take measures to keep myself safe just because I don't trust men in general, but I, I, de I definitely don't appreciate some random guy on the street to, to, um, care about doing the right thing. So, yeah. So anyway, um, as far as I'm concerned, I've said it, it's been said, unless it helps someone in the future, I probably won't be talking about it very often. Um, maybe we'll do an episode someday about sexual assault experiences, whatever. But as of right now, it's just, it just makes me, I just feel gross. So, but I think it will help somebody like every time I talk about it to other people, I know that it's helping, even if mm -hmm. it's not helping that person, it's helping someone they know because mm -hmm. they can use that as an example now. So your, your experience, although it was horrible, it's not pointless. Like it will help somebody. And I'm just like, I wish that we'd all stop being examples, you know, like, it'd be lovely not to be a statistic, wouldn't it? But here we are. So, so anyway, um, moving on, we have other heavy things to cover today. So <laughs> we have other topics to make you feel terrible. <laughs> so we're really coming in with, uh, we're just coming in hot. So spreading the joy. So anyway, we are going to talk about quite a few things, actually. We're going to mm -hmm. talk about our workplaces. We're going to talk about our feelings about people in affairs. And we're going to talk about what we got on Amazon. So stay flipping tuned. Do you think that we should like start with Amazon or should we do Amazon in the middle to keep it like peppy? Like here's this horrible thing. Amazon in the middle. We might need a light. We might need a light moment. Let's save Amazon for the middle. All right. Well, we're gonna let Wendy bring us into the first portion of our depression zone. Get Wendy out here. Let the music play. The tea is exceptionally good today. Who made this? Very delicious. And here we are. So Emma actually wanted to talk about her workplace. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about men from a completely different angle. Go ahead, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is something that I have had a long time experience with because I do feel that in the military in general, you're as a woman, you're always going to be the minority in the workplace. And that's just how it is. Like statistically speaking, that's just how it goes. And in Intel, it's not that there weren't women there. It's just that we were always outnumbered. And so I was telling Hannah about like a comment I'd had a coworker make towards me at one point in time. And I was like, I guess it just reminds me that I am a woman in the workplace. And it's, it's, you know, I have a very specific attitude that I go to work with because I work with mostly men. And it's not an attitude that you really witness here on the podcast because I'm being myself here. But when yeah. you see me in the office, I'm, I'm like, I act like a guy. You know, yeah. and, that, and like we all know, like, you know, masculinity and femininity are fluid and we're not trying to assign roles here. But the younger mid early to mid 20s guy, they all kind of talk the same. And that's how I talk because it's that's who I work with. So, yeah, um, that's been my experience. I was saying to Emma earlier, I think there are two things that you hear about as a woman in the workplace, which is like you either completely disengage and in some ways isolate yourself from the men that you work with because you are not interested in sexual comments. You're not interested in sexual jokes. You are in some ways basically displaying what most people would describe as a feminine characteristic of sensitivity or sensibility. You're not there to like make lewd jokes and like banter back and forth. And I know that some women do and that's fine. 
nobody's calling that not feminine. But what I'm saying is there are constantly workplace cultures that include toxic masculinity, wherein guys joke back and forth about sex. And as a woman, you have two choices, which is like Emma said, you can either join in because you want them to take you seriously as a coworker and you don't want them to isolate you or to belittle you or whatever, or two, you can isolate yourself and refuse to engage, which is what I do. Like I was saying to Emma, when I was, even when I was in the military, I, I would go the opposite. Like there were very few times that anybody even attempted a joke like that around me because like, you can call me frigid. Like that would be how I would be described basically like, oh, she can't take a joke. Like she's so serious, blah, blah, blah. But you took me seriously in the workplace and you didn't joke sexually with me. So I missed out on a lot of the quote unquote banter because I would rather be taken seriously and not be included on the joke than be included on the joke, but have to put up with it. Cause I just have no time for it. Like I, I don't appreciate that. I don't make sexually explicit jokes. That's not part of my humor. So it would be disingenuous of me to go <laughs> and like join in when I don't find it funny. And if anything, I find it offensive mm -hmm. because it's usually to the detriment of women. Like of there's course. very few times that the joke is like, Oh, that guy, like, come on. Mm -hmm. But, and I think you see that in like, I was saying women CEOs, I think you see a lot of that dichotomy of they're either very historically masculine is what I'd call it, but they're very hard. They're very like, they're one of the guys they're, they're very, you, they have had to make themselves into a male accepted figure to get as far as they have. And they're usually called like a B or like called, you know, a uh, uh, hard ass or whatever. Like they're, they're referred to negatively because they're too aggressive, too determined or they go the opposite approach and they're like, yeah, they're feminine, but they're completely isolated from the rest of their male counterparts because they remain more feminine and more reserved and they don't put up with the male culture and they don't try to become part of it. So I, I think there's still not an accepted space for women to be feminine in most workplaces mm -hmm. that include a toxic masculine culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I'm afraid of how I'm going to sound saying this when I come, when I, when I say it, but I think that as an attractive woman, it's even harder, you know, like I might not be everybody's type in the office, but objectively I'm attractive. And that has to, that plays a part because, you know, now it's like, now I'm getting like, I'm not, I'm not the butt of the jokes, you know, but I, I know what my coworkers think of me as far as like attraction and physical looks go, you know? And it's like, I don't know if that's in this case better or worse, because I feel like sometimes, especially if I wasn't in a position of leadership, maybe it wouldn't be like a huge deal. You'd be like, oh, she's just there. But being the president of my associated club and having been in the work study, other than like a couple of people, I'm like one of the longest standing people in that work study so far. Yeah. You know, and I, I work closely with our supervisors because of that presidential position. I just think that when you're attractive, it's, it's like, now I have to double down on whatever attitude I pick because yeah. it's, it's not just enough to like, be like, mm, okay, like you, you know, whatever. It's like, either you're not going to take me seriously and you're going to think I'm some ditzy attractive girl who like used her looks to get where she is, or I'm going to be a huge see you next Tuesday 
And, you know, I might be like, you can joke with me, but like when I'm serious, I'm serious. And that's the attitude that I've adopted. And so far, because I'm aggressive, I haven't been overtly disrespected, but that disrespect comes into play in other ways. Yeah. And I think this is one of the biggest things that I've seen culturally different from a US to a UK workspace. Like in my new job, there's never been a single inappropriate joke anywhere around me because it's completely inappropriate and they wouldn't, it wouldn't even cross their minds. Like, it's not that they're not like that at a bar. It's not that they're completely different as humans. It's just that there's a very clear workplace environment divide Mm -hmm. that isn't crossed. And I think that that is an American attitude that you're allowed to be inappropriate at work. And it's like a very mad men concept. Like, oh yeah, it's fine to be inappropriate and make sexually explicit jokes at work. Whereas in Europe, at least in in the UK, in my context, I've never heard a single thing. And I I know that my male colleagues would not joke like that with me, nor would they disrespect me because to them, it's just like, it's not, it's not even an option on the playbook. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I feel like they don't even remember that I'm a girl, you know, until it becomes very obvious that they do, you know, but it's like on the average day to day, I don't go in like feeling separate from them because of my, my gender, you know, it's, it's more that like offhand things that get said or get done. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. You feel this way because I have these parts for, or I identify this way, you know, and I don't know, it's just, it's a strange, it's a strange dichotomy because I, I feel like I've been both people, but I, in the military, at least being a mission manager for the majority of my time in Georgia, I had to adopt one attitude really quickly. And I, once you choose the route you go, that's just kind of how you, how it goes. But I would meet women who went the opposite route. And I would see that they struggled more than me because they chose to maintain more of a semblance of their true feminine, whatever you want to identify that as personality versus me being like, ha 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 pup talk, you know? So Yeah. I'm facing a different issue in my workplace, which isn't a problem. It's just something that I'm navigating that's different. And I was talking to Emma about this earlier. And basically, I know I talk a lot about being married and, you know, my husband and it's the phase of life I'm in. Mm -hmm. There's constantly a we because that's that's what it is. You know, like I went from being one person to now being part of an entity that is two. Mm -hmm. So anyway... I'm now in a position at work where beforehand I've always been the single girl. Like I I know I said that on previous podcast episodes, but genuinely like most of my adult life I spent single, like not even in a relationship. So I was always, I kind of had the same playbook at work, if that makes any sense. Like I knew what to do. I knew what not to do. I could kind of think what I wanted to think. And I didn't really have any problems or boundaries there other than like, I knew I wasn't going to date a coworker unless X, Y, and Z. And I knew that if I did date a coworker to have these boundaries and blah, 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 blah. So now I'm in a space where I'm in an environment that there are attractive men. And I've never been in an environment where I work, where there are attractive men and been in a committed relationship, like not just married, but in a committed relationship. And that's a weird space for me because, you know, I know that you still find people attractive when you're married. It's not strange, you know, finding someone attractive is not wrong, but it's a weird space to navigate because I kind of don't have a playbook, if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly 
what my footing is and I don't feel super comfortable and I'm not sure how to feel on a day to day. So like there was a guy in my office who visited, um, he's on a different team than I am and he visited and like, I found him attractive, but then I was like, Oh, but, uh, and it, it wasn't awkward. Like, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, should I give him my number? Like, there was no, you know what I mean? Like, there was no like immediate dilemma. It was just, I don't know how to think or feel because I haven't had to deal with this enough. Like, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, there are not that many attractive guys that I come across and very few times am I like in my head evaluating what I should do in that context. Cause usually if I see someone in passing, I'm like, oh nice, move on. Mm-hmm. Like no no follow-up but in a workplace you see these people you have to interact with them and there's a there's a part of me and and we talked about this i think a few episodes ago that is always wanting to feel attractive not that i want anything to come from it not that i want anyone to like approach me because i super don't i will tell you i don't but you want to feel attractive so Mm -hmm. there's this weird invisible line that exists. Mm -hmm. And anyway, it's just, it's a weird situation for me. I don't really know how to feel. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of mental energy on that on Friday, like just (laughs) like basically just like running through the equations of how I want to feel and how I should feel and what I'm thinking and what I should be thinking. And there's a lot of math. So Mm, mm, not our strong suit. Um, (laughs) not my forte. I'll say, I I will say I am the opposite. I'm now single amongst a sea of male coworkers for the first time, maybe ever. So I've always had boyfriends at work and I will say for me, I worked with attractive men and my line had to be like, I have to be very, I'll be friendly but it was, it was, I don't joke around with those guys because I personally, I know myself, I have a very flirty personality. Yeah. And I think a lot of people either perceive that the wrong way, or I'm going to overthink things that I do or say, because I know myself. So it was just easier for me personally to be like, yeah, I'll be friendly with you. And people like, oh, ha ha, nice to see you, blah, blah, blah. But I won't engage in any kind of talk with you that is not strictly business related. 100%. And that's just personally like what I had to do, you know? And then even in those conversations, I had to be very careful to be like, if I'm joking, I want it to be objective, you know, like, oh, anyone would find this funny. I'm not saying I have mental illness. So I overthink anyway, but. But you um, also have traumas from boyfriends that have added to that in an, in a serious way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I definitely have the assumption that I must have a hidden agenda if I find someone attractive and I'm in a relationship and that's a separate trauma that I'm, I'm dealing with and I'm medicated for, but I digress. You know, I, I think that it's, it's, it's strange to be on the other side of it because now I'm like, I can do literally whatever I want. Like I have no stakes in this. I can say whatever I want to you and it doesn't matter, you know, but I remember being on the other side and being like, Oh no, I have to be like, I have to have forethought now, which I'm not good at. So I'm really good at forethought. But my thing is I then after think and I overthink. Mm -hmm. So I just go into like super over processing mode for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, the one thing I, I did do So there was this guy at my work that I initially found attractive and I spent about a day and a half waiting for something to bother me. And it did. (laughs) So I just, every time I'm like, Oh yeah, he's cute. I just think about the thing that bothers me. And I'm like, great. (laughs) Cause that would always be, that's the funniest thing is like, Emma will remember this like 100%. There would be about like two weeks of bliss where I'd have a crush on someone and it would be going great. And I'd be like finding everything they did attractive and then there'd be a thing. Whatever the thing was, it'd be different every time, 
there'd be a thing. And they would give me the instant ick and I would never want to see them again. And it was just like a constant cycle of like every couple of months, there's like, oh, I might be interested in someone. Two weeks later, yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> so <laughs> it never went anywhere. So it's it's great. And usually this was without the guy even knowing that I liked them. So it was really, it was you really lost a your chance. <laughs> you lost your chance with me. <laughs> you had your shot and you blew it. <laughs> so take that. It's very much so Ross and Rachel season one where he's like, you're over me. <laughs> when were you under me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, where I have exactly. whole relationships in my head, and then I'm like, "Well, we could have been blissfully happy for the rest of our lives, but then you chewed." What are we gonna so tell the kids? <laughs> <laughs> what kids? Yeah. So yeah. Well, that being said, I think we should do our recent Amazon purchases a little bit of levity, if you will, okay. uh, levity before we move on to reacting to married people who have uh, affairs. I gotta, I gotta like find that online anyway um i don't have an audio for this so do we just dive into it or is there is there an amazon jingle no right um let me just do a quick looky up see here Am- uh youtube amazon is there a jingle for amazon asking for a friend <laughs> i'm gonna literally put jingle in and see yeah i would <laughs> No, it's getting me like literally jungle noises. (laughs) So, okay. Um, We'll just hang on one second. Let me do one bit of research just to be in triplicate. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. Odessa! So, that was just an SNL <laughs> skit that Hannah and I found. Odessa! <laughs> <laughs> yes, we couldn't find like an Amazon jingle, but I was quite happy with that, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Amanda! <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about Alexa. That's why I don't have one. When people are like, Alexa, tell me what I'm doing right now. Like, like it would be, I would definitely be like, Alessia. Alessia Caro, why are you in my house? Write me a song. So anyway. Anyway. What? have you bought recently on Amazon? So we've thought about doing this for about 45 seconds and we've really considered it and we think it's a great plan. So yeah, yeah, let us yeah, you know, yeah. let us know if you like it. But basically, instead of doing like our old product segment, put it in your bag, uh, TM. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> we are just gonna tell you the, first, the, the most recent few things that we bought on Amazon because it's interesting and it probably reveals something weird about us because we're weird people, so. I mean, I guess I feel like if I buy, I buy fairly normal things, I don't know. Um, recently, Mine are all I bought, really boring. <laughs> I bought two dresses for work because I work for the senator now, and I need to look like a real person. And apparently, I don't normally. So, um, so anyway, they're cute. They're coming. I'm excited. I bought. One thing that I'm not going to reveal yet because it's going to be a surprise for the next time I record. And 
What was the other thing? Um, oh, I just bought, like, I got my iPhone upgraded. So I bought a new phone case, tempered glass for the screen, and like a magnetic Essential. socket. Yeah. People who don't have glass screen covers are flipping heathens. And I don't I, know how they're surviving. It has saved like so if you look at my old iphone the back is cracked whatever i can't do anything about that but the front the only parts that are cracked are the glass screen cover and this thing was in a life proof okay and it still suffered so absolutely necessary anyway that's what i bought recently i had a i, bur- I purchased a backup battery for my dyson so for those who know my dyson and i have a very close relationship her name is marie kondo because she sparks joy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. basically I bought a backup battery because I, well, it kept doing this thing where it wouldn't hoover. It would just give you like the, I need to charge noise. Annoying. And so I was like, obviously it's dead. We need to buy a new vacuum. And then I was like, wait, common sense. Try to fix it first. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just revolutionary. Dive, but... <laughs> I know. I always am like, buy a new one, throw it out. Like Mook's like, do you want to like try to fix it? <laughs> No, but I guess we have to now. Okay, perform the surgery before you declare them dead. Try something crazy. <laughs> so anyway, I bought a new battery for the Dyson, which we ended up not needing because we were able to sort it out. But um, we have a backup battery now, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also mm-hmm. bought stickers. So it took forever for us to get like recycling bins. And I don't know why, but the council just did not drop them off. Okay. So we had to, we had this like massive tower of recycling that Luke would just make disappear every once in a while. But we got wheelie bins eventually. So now they don't have any numbers on them. We needed numbers. I ordered numbers. So I ordered Otis 50 piece wheelie bin stickers, which have (laughs) giant numbers on them so that nobody steals our bins because I will cut them if they touch my bins. Mm -hmm, Took mm -hmm, forever. mm -hmm. I also got a basically like an Egyptian cotton towel. So we had these bath mats that used to work fine in our old shower like bathroom because the door was really far away from the bath mat. So it didn't hit it, but in our ensuite, it like hits it every time it gets stuck. So, you know, like in a hotel, they always have like a towel that you put on the ground for a bath mat. I wanted that kind of a vibe. So I got those and they're like Turkish towel kind of designs, which Mm. they're actually great. Cool. And the last one is I'm basically going to try to attempt a miracle and it's probably gonna have to help uh so for the dress that i'm thinking of wearing to my wedding reception it's backless and that means two things one i'm obsessed with it i love a backless moment and two i got boob tape because you have to like create a fake bra and like hold it and then like spider-man web tape everything to like Mm -hmm. keep them where they need to be so that you have like a faux bra but not an actual bra because can i just say the like it's a backless bra that sticks onto you is a lie it is a lie they don't work they don't work they look weird and they always peel so there's like half of a boob just hanging off of your boob and it's just it's not it's not the vibe it is not the vibe and so what I will say to you is if you see a woman in a backless dress and she is not a flat, like small cupped, you know, woman, sure. congratulate her because she has achieved something wonderful. She has gone through acrobatics to get this dress on and she is rocking it. So, okay. and and I say that because if you have a smaller chest, it's pretty easy. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to just not wear a bra and not for it to be noticeable yeah. than 
if you have a larger chest and mm-hmm. it's just like like they're greeting people at the door they're like heading over to get a drink without you they're just waving around and with mm-hmm. their hands in the air like they just don't care so <laughs> i am going to attempt to speckle my okay breasts. see for me i just don't wear a bra and you don't care and that's that's valid i can't care sorry i like was trying to restart my phone so that i would have everything and it's still struggling because i had <laughs> i was trying to pull up the account that i was thinking of and i my it's it's like just now catching up so it's like wow so okay so anyway that, anyway that's what's going on okay um just brief second while i pause while i find what i need and that's all fine so now that we've discussed our purchasing habits and just a small insight into our lives there we're gonna do we're gonna read from article titled on buzzfeed titled people who have been the other person in an affair are revealing if they knew why and why they did it and i'm shocked by their brutal honesty and i have a feeling i will also be shocked (laughs) i'm not anticipating this to go well (laughs) um yeah i mean i'm just like generally not into affairs especially when both parties are aware like if you get if you are the other woman and you don't know that they're in a relationship that's one thing you know if you know them and you know that he's with someone you're just as like the things that i've seen people say like i don't care about their lives i don't care and i'm like how can you not care but anyway we're gonna just read there's a lot of these i'm just gonna pick the ones that um i think are interesting so relevant um all right so here's this one from i don't know their name anonymous from alabama so we know how this is gonna go i was the best friend before i was the other woman she was I'm best- also the cousin she was <laughs> i was the sister cousin aunt. i was a sister i was a lover <laughs> she says or he okay, sorry but, you know other woman i guess so um I had just gone through a bad breakup. I felt like I was never going to find the right person. I had just been dumped and informed that I had been cheated on. My best friend told me that he didn't love his wife like he loved me and said, I should have married you. And that's when I became the other woman. He fed me lies that he was going to divorce his wife and that I was the person he was supposed to be with. He led me off for over a year. And I was such an idiot to put myself through all this agony and turmoil. I felt myself turn into the villain that everybody believed I was because I didn't care that people knew. And now she says, I'm in a wonderful marriage to the most wonderful man who truly loves me and wants to be with me. I found my soulmate during the worst time in my life. Okay. I'm going to give you my initial thoughts. And then you can I'm just like holding my head. (laughs) Like, so here's my thing. Anxiety. This this just screams victimhood to me. Okay. Like, I'm sorry. You are not the victim as the other woman. You're not. And I will make, I will die on that hill. Like, I'm sorry that you're hurt. I'm sorry that someone manipulated you and hurt you. You know, he's a piece of crap also. He's the worst of the story. He's the he's the biggest, baddest wolf. And you're kind of like... I was thinking you were going to say that. <laughs> um, but he, but you're far from a piglet, ma'am. Okay, yeah, there's no innocence <laughs> about you whatsoever, okay? You're a conspirator in one way or another. So. Conspirator! <laughs> so I'm just saying, I hate this like, oh my God, this was so awful for me. I'm mentally and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm sorry. The wife's probably pretty messed up, you know, I was, I would think that. So I think that it's pretty safe to say that every story, like there might be some gray area, but I'm pretty sure I know I'm going to react to most of these. And I'm just saying, I can't. Here's my thing. Okay. I, and I've told this story on the podcast before, I think, but I had a friend 
who was cheating on her boyfriend with a married guy. Okay. She's never felt anything like it before. Like all of the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there's romantic details. Okay. No one is having an affair because the person's like, hey, uh, do you want to hang out Saturday? Like, they're always going to say something that's super complimentary that you haven't heard. Like, of course. But the thing is, I think that you need to recognize the trauma and the space that you're in and not allow that to let you make bad decisions in the name of making yourself feel better mm -hmm. because every single one of these situations i am going to guess i i do not know i have not read them but a lot of these situations i'm gonna guess they were going through something and mm -hmm. instead of dealing with that something they turned to the right and they attacked whoever was to the right a la Sun Tzu and they allowed themselves to get mixed up in this because they were hurting and they needed yeah. comfort and they needed relief. And so then they allowed themselves to become the villain in this story. So like, no, you know what? Like, I don't think you went into it intending to hurt people, but you didn't go into it blind, deaf and dumb. Okay. You knew yeah. they were married. You are somebody that knows them personally to the point that he was like, you're my best friend. So I have a feeling you were at their wedding. She says like, she, was, she was best man in the wedding. This is my point. Okay. It doesn't really matter what you were going through. Not because it doesn't matter at all. It matters. And I'm sure that it was hard. And I have all the sympathy in the world for you on that score. But you deciding to turn that into a nuclear weapon and torpedoing mm -hmm. someone else's life, yeah. not okay. And not like okay. to know what it's like to be cheated on and then like willingly put someone else through that. I'm just. It's because you want to have the upper hand. A lot of people who are cheated on then become cheaters because they're like, well, it wasn't a defect in me. It was blah, blah, blah. And it's like you earning validation out of this is not going to make you feel better. Mm -mm. I mean, I've been cheated on at least three times and no part of me has ever been like, my turn you know like yeah i just uh, that's not my response you know because i have empathy and i'm capable of that but anyway i was looking through these and i was it's trying different to for everyone <laughs> okay this one seems like hang on um blah blah, blah. i don't care okay um we were both in college in our mid-20s. When we first met, I didn't know he had a girlfriend. An intense connection, blah, 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 blah. Um, people were encouraging us because we were quote-unquote perfect for each other. We hooked up at a party, hooked up at a party one night. A few days later, a friend of ours told me he has a girlfriend but never talks about her, so no one, none of us knew. I confronted him, and he said he didn't say anything because he's unhappy. She's at another school, and he doesn't have this kind of connection with her. I threw caution and immorals to the wind, and we continued to hook up for months after that. He and his girlfriend eventually broke up for other reasons. Apparently, she never even knew about me. We stopped seeing each other when we graduated and moved away from each other. Now we live a couple hours apart, and he's one of my best friends. It gave me the experience of a lifetime in, in someone I'm planning to have around the rest of my life. You're what? so toxic. I can't even. <laughs> like, you have the emotional intelligence of a teaspoon. No. <laughs> like... Okay, first of all, can we just talk about the people who don't talk about their girlfriends or spouses or like mm -hmm. whatever's? Those people are bad. Those people are red flags. Like if you are slightly attracted to somebody and they have like a girlfriend that they talked about like once eight years ago, 
they're not in a good space, mm -hmm. okay? <laughs> they're not in a good space. And if you ask them about their relationship status and they get cagey, red freaking flag. Like, I don't know the number of people who recently have talked about it. Like, I know that we talked about it recently with somebody that you interact with, like, oh yeah, they had a girlfriend, but immediately she disappeared into the bushes and they never mentioned her again. And it's like, that is flipping sketchy. Like, mm -hmm. what is wrong with you that you're in a relationship with someone you don't like? Or why would you not talk about someone you do like? Yeah. So like, none of it makes sense. You know, it's this whole attitude of like, you want to have your cake and eat it too. You know, you do like, you want someone who like, you know, and you trust and you're committed, to, quote unquote committed, who's committed to you basically is, is the idea. Like you want them to stay around so that you have somebody, but you should be able to do whatever you want. And that's obviously a crap attitude. We all know it. And, and when two of those similar types of people get together, it's just an explosion of toxic. It's like Chernobyl 2.0. I will also just say, I feel like somebody will say at least this person wasn't married. So I have not been cheated on since I was like 16. So I'm not, I'm not going to call myself like I've been cheated on. Mm -hmm. I know a very vague feeling of what it feels like, but I haven't been cheated on in an adult romantic relationship. So Emma, from the person who has been cheated on, is it better that you weren't married to them? Like, do you feel fine since they weren't married? I mean, I, the only difference is that I haven't legally signed myself to be, you know, intertwined with them you know it the emotional damage doesn't really vary because i am or i'm not married you know i think maybe if you're married that's just because you have the sunken cost fallacy as like a concrete thing in front of you because you've now gone through that whole process whereas i didn't so it was easier to leave you know but that's really the only difference and i will never like cheating is cheating is cheating i don't care if you're married if you're dating i don't care like i don't care to me it's all the same so well, and, and here's why, like, I think a lot of people who know people who cheat or who are people who cheat will say, listen, you know, I am, I'm trying to do the best for myself that I can. And mm -hmm. I found a unique connection. I'm sure that half of this page is if you search unique connection with highlight, there was something that I didn't have with whatever person mm -hmm. and you're being really harsh and judgmental. You don't understand the situation. Okay. But we do. And here's what it is. It's very simple. It's the 80-20 rule. Yeah. You're going to get 80% of what you want from another person. You're never going to get 100% because nobody can be everything to you. It's not going to happen. So in mm -hmm. a good relationship, you'll probably get about 80% of what you need. At some stage in the relationship, you will see somebody who has the 20% that you're not getting, whatever that looks like, whether that's money, whether that's looks, whether that's sex, whether that's adventure, like pick your 20%, but you'll get, you'll see a glimpse of the thing that you're not being fulfilled in yeah. walk by you. And you have a choice to say, do I appreciate what I have? Or do I pursue that little bit of something that I'm not getting? That is what cheating is. It's the 80, 20 rule. You're giving up 80% to be with 20%. And I'll tell you why. If you were not in an 80% relationship, you would just break up with them. There's something there that you have that's good. Otherwise, why are you in the relationship? Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason to cheat because if you see something that you have that much of a special connection with, break up with your partner. Yeah. It's hard, but cheating on them is worse. So like, just 
break up with them. But no, 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 no. You don't understand what's complicated. It's not. You either have a good relationship that you're willing to sacrifice because you're interested in a small portion of something that you weren't getting in that relationship, Mm -hmm. or you're in a bad relationship and you're too cowardly to end it. So you try to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Well, we have one that there's a little bit of a redemption arc here. Stay tuned. Um, We'll probably just end with this one because it seems like the one where hopefully they did what they were supposed to do. So I haven't read the whole thing thoroughly. So we'll see. In college, I met this truly amazing guy, a couple of classes together, started spending time together outside of our classes and eventually scheduled our classes. So we'd be together. He made me feel like I was like the super important person. This was in 2005. So social media was just starting to take off. A few months in, he bought a small gift for his female coworker's birthday. He had mentioned her before, but always as his coworker or a friend of the family. A few months after that, he joined Facebook and I saw her on his page. She didn't have much on her page. So I looked her up on MySpace. Not only did I find her, but I found out she was his girlfriend of a couple of years. Her most recent blog post was about how he broke up with her because of some girl he met at college. The more I read, the more I realized I was that girl. I went from disbelief to devastation to anger and back within a matter of seconds. I had no idea I was the other woman. The next time I saw him, I told him what I knew. He apologized because he had said the relationship was starting to break apart before we even met. That's why he didn't mention it. I told him I couldn't see him anymore because in breaking his ex-girlfriend's heart, he ended up shattering mine. We remained friendly throughout the rest of college. I've only seen him once since when I ran into him at the store. All these years later, the hurt is still there. Um, My self-esteem has never recovered because I was once the other woman. The shame and disgust I feel about the situation I had no control or knowledge over will always haunt me. And that to me makes sense. Yeah. That was a redemption arc. That's a good one to end on. Thank you for being a decent human, unnamed user. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's what you hope people will do and say, you know, like it's. Cause you can't control what other people do. So nobody's expecting you to be omnipotent and to know, but -hmm. if you are in possession of the facts and you do know your reactions matter, they have consequences. Mm -hmm. Personally, if I found out that I was the other woman, I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be like really upset. And like, it's not that I have no empathy for the people that like give in to urges. I think that if you truly think you love someone, it's easy to justify in your head doing something, but you have to be adult enough to step back and say, you know, universe, God, whoever is not going to send me somebody else's person, you know, like they're not for you. And like, that's just the, I've like talked with Hannah about like, things that men who are in relationships do towards me that could be arguably like him showing his interest. And I'm like, but it doesn't matter because they're not for me. You know, there was somebody else and I'm never going to do anything that like, if I were the other woman looking through messages and I saw messages between the two of them would make me think that I, as Emma was trying to get with her man, you know? And if this person is interested in you, look at the character that they're showing you. Yeah. They're showing you that they're willing to throw over whoever they're with for whatever strikes them in the moment. And I know that whoever you are, you might be special. And I'm sure that you are special, like everybody's special, but so is the person that they're cheating with you on. And I would also just say like, it's really, really easy to get caught up in a moment. I have sympathy for anybody up to a kiss. Past Mm. that, I have no sympathy for you because there were a lot of stop zones that you could have paused in to reflect. You know, it's not Hollywood. It doesn't happen in five seconds. So if you slept with someone, especially repeatedly over a course of time, I have no sympathy for you. Sorry. You're making choices and you chose badly. Like, 
I have sympathy for your recovery because I'm sure that that's going to cause you emotional trauma and you're going to have to work through that. But I have no sympathy for your choices. I do have sympathy for somebody who gets caught up in a moment. You guys share a kiss. Maybe it's a long kiss. Maybe it's a hot kiss. But the point is, after that moment, Mm -hmm. your brain has to kick in and you have to make a decision. And hopefully it's the right one because, you know, look, first of all, you see this a lot on like social media girls, like bragging about like, oh, if only his girlfriend knew she was in my DMs. Why don't you tell her? Why, why is that a flex? Why is it a flex to be the other woman? Like, first of all, the term homewrecker is problematic because if the home was able to be wrecked, then like he, it's because he opened the door for you, you know, like that, I think problematically blames the other woman solely. And this is a two person at fault thing. If both parties are aware but yeah like there's no single party blame in an affair yeah but it's i there's no part of me that just thinks that like i i i could never justify my own gratification for someone else's like well-being i just can't do it you know and i think that's the main difference between us and people who are able to and hopefully they snap out of it and they come to a phase where they're like okay, that was really crappy of me. And I hurt people needlessly just because I was selfish. That's all, that's all it is. is you're being selfish. Yeah. So, and um, if you're a cheater and you willingly cheat, I'm disgusted by you. And if you help people cheat, I'm equally disgusted by you. So good job. I think the real truth is if I am speaking to someone who cheats or who is actively cheating, you're in pain right now and you're not willing to acknowledge it. Like I said earlier, And I'm really sorry for you. Like, Mm -hmm. I I genuinely feel badly that you're in so much pain because only hurting people hurt people. So it's taking a lot for you. You're in a lot of pain for you to be willing to cause this kind of havoc in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. So just just take a take a beat and think about that. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we'll send you back into your week. Happy as ever. Hello. Woohoo um yay and stuff so yay and stuff so um let us know what you guys think of so hannah and i are now trying just coming in with ideas and going from there we're not structuring the episode quite as rigidly as before so if that's yeah. something you vibe with let us know and if you absolutely hate it um any bin we'll do and we'll get any we'll, bin. we'll know so <laughs> thanks so much for listening we love you team your faves and love i'm you the most i am hannah the tea.